Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for singing. You can have a seat. We're really grateful to do this together. I'm always grateful for our team uh, leading us. Sean, you didn't do too bad with that song. Your voice is not that bad. Huh? It's fine, bro. It's like two we'll, or three keep on, we'll keep you on the team. We'll keep you on the team. Thanks, uh, <laughs> Elder, Elder Sean. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, if, uh, if, if I missed you, I just want to say a quick hello to everyone again. My name is Dom, and uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, just such a joy to, to be together. And, and actually, you maybe heard or remembered or saw somewhere online that today we're starting a new teaching series. Uh, and the series is going to be kind of our teaching space for the whole summer. And, and it's going to give us a chance to talk about and think about the idea of prayer. And, and for some of you, maybe prayer is uh, something you're very much aware of, or you're aware of other religions that pray, or you're interested in different types of prayers. And one of the things we want to do as Christians is to go back and let the Bible shape how we think about prayer. And so I want to ask you just a very simple question as we begin. I want you to think about this week, what times in the week maybe did you stop to pray in this past week? Take a minute and think about that. Maybe for some of you, it's just early morning. You get up and you're like, oh, my kids are already yelling. I'm going to lose it. Lord, help me not to kill my kids. Maybe that's for you. Maybe for some of you, prayers like you're going on vacation and you're just praying for safety. Maybe that's it. Maybe for some of you, prayers like not something you think about intentionally. It's just a vibe. And we hope we're going to help you grow out of that. But prayer is an important part of the way we think about what it means that God is trying to communicate with us and we, in return, get to share the depths of who we are with God. And it's this beautiful kind of connection point. And, and so over the past few weeks, I've been praying about something very specific. And it's very rare that other people get to hear what we pray. Sometimes prayers are very private. We don't let people into our prayers. Some of us journal, or for some of you, you have secret things you want to pray about. You don't think other people are going to understand But I want to share with you something that over the past few weeks, even months now, I have been quietly praying about with God. And, and I want to share it with you because it's a really special thing that's happening in our church. That over the past few weeks, our leaders, our elders, myself, uh, especially early on, I just started to pray about the things that we saw God doing at our church. One of the things that we noticed is that many of you are becoming more courageous at inviting people to come and understand who Jesus is in the context of our church. I'm so proud of you. It takes a lot of guts to invite somebody to come visit a church. Because you're like, who knows? Pastor Don might say one of those weird jokes and my friend will get offended. And then you know he doesn't care because I don't care. So that's the way it is. So you're praying. You're here. But you've also like been giving and attending. And, and you know that one of the things our elders have been praying about, I've been praying about is what do we do with our kids? Sometimes we have between 50, 60, even 80 kids in our gatherings, on the other side, and all of these different things we've been carrying with real joy. 
Because in the Bible, when God blesses his people, he always calls them to a new chapter. We all pray for blessing, but none of us want change. But God's blessings never don't come with change. Because if God blesses us, we have to do some new things. And so over the past few weeks, our elders have prayed. And and actually, just a few weeks ago, they made a huge decision, which is a very special decision for our church. That come this fall, we are actually moving our 180 gatherings to two Sunday morning gatherings. Okay, so that's huge. (laughs) All the people who clapped are not serving anywhere, okay? So just if you clapped, the next thing you'll be like, I have to serve. Clapped, the next thing you'll be like, I have to serve somewhere. (laughs) Because all of our leaders are like, Amen. Amen. What? What? They're like, we have to be here an hour early. We have to tell them we have to get up. Our worship team is like, dear Jesus, Lord, help us. It, it's so exciting. It really is such an exciting decision for our church family that we're making room. And summertime, and even for this time in the year, we're aware that this is like a lot of people in our community. That's, it's great. But as we're thinking about the fall, we want you to know that we have elders at our church that are praying and preparing for the future. So we're already planning and we have so many great leaders who are already thinking about and praying about our kids' ministry, what that's going to look like, our worship time, our service, between services. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions, but one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is pray. Just pray for us, pray for our leaders. In the next few weeks, we're going to share more about the actual Sunday that that will happen. Uh, We're actually preparing also a a section of our website, like a landing page with updates that you can go to regularly so that you don't be like, I can't remember what we said, you know, whatever. We're going to send you to that. But this is such an exciting thing for us. And it's also exciting, especially if you're watching online, for what it means for us to be a church doing that here in Quebec. For our ministry partners and some of you who are leaders, I I sent a a letter out to you this week. You read this. And I had this quote in that letter, and I want to read it for you. You can go to the next slide. It's just some stats of what's happening in our province. This article is a fascinating article, that there's actually a drop in people believing in God and connecting with church across all of the country. Happy Canada Day, okay? And, and in Quebec, Quebec saw the biggest drop in church attendance with people going to church less often and attendance falling from 33% to 8%. This is huge. Now, I'm not saying that people, you know, can't connect with God in different ways and maybe church is something they're not sure of yet and COVID had an impact on all these things. It's true. But we are seeing that God's doing something kind of special here as our church has not stopped growing since this church began. And so every so often, we can either be the kinds of people who look at the problems in the world and say, woe is us, everything's really, really bad, or it can be the kinds of people who pray and say, God, use us to do something different. Which one are you going to be? Because we've decided the kind of church we're going to be. We're going to be the kind of church that says, God, no matter how challenging things are around us, we're going to pray and believe that you want to use us to help the next generation, to help those who've never gone to church ever maybe connect with other Christians who are learning the Bible, learning to love one another, and learning to love our community. So, so these are some of the things that are on my radar, and I've been praying and excited and hopeful, and I hope you feel that, and I hope you're excited. You have some different options. Many of you, if kids have been in sports, you have no more excuses to not be in church. Wink, wink. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of new opportunities, and that's also opportunities for some of you maybe to step up and serve. So over the summer, we're going to encourage you to begin to consider that and how you can do that, and we're going to be praying together. So we're going to do this together, correct? We, We don't have all the answers, but we know enough that Jesus is saying it's time to take this next step now. So stay tuned for more of that. Wow, that was easy. Let's pray and go home. All right.
I'm, I'm kidding, but the, the series on the Psalms that we want to begin today is something I've been thinking about a long time, and I've been praying about this series and thinking about the Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, you might not know this. You know, the Psalms are a book like come almost right in the middle of your Bible, and there's 150 Psalms in, the, in our Bible, and the word Psalms kind of is not a word you use all the time. You know, it actually means like a sacred song or a sacred prayer. And the Bible gives us this section right in the middle of our Bible of these different types of psalms. And what we're going to do throughout the summer is we're going to look at different psalms, but not just to kind of instruct you, but to encourage you to learn how to pray using the psalms. And this morning I'm going to do that in a very practical way. Hopefully it'll help you. But one of the things I want to say to you is that when we think about prayer in the Christian faith, we want to understand that prayer is such an important thing, and if we're not careful, we can begin to pray in a way that does not honor God. Okay, this is really important because I grew up thinking that prayer is whatever you want to say, be yourself and put some positivity into the world and it, it catches some, it sticks somewhere. It took me a long time to think that prayer actually has to be formed in us so we're praying in a way that actually honors the ways of God. This is hard to do. And if we're not careful, prayer becomes kind of a whim, spontaneous, a vibe, a feeling, whatever. And, and by the way, God is so gracious that even in those moments he does listen. But it's not the place we should stay in our prayer life. If you're still praying the way you prayed when you were a child, you need to grow up. Okay? And one of the things we thought we'd do is call the series something really offensive, like grown-up prayers, implying that some of us are not grown-up in our prayers. And at first, the staff was like, I don't know if that's a good name for the series. And they had other options. How many of you like the name for the series? Good name? Yeah, staff is wrong again. Pastor Dom wins. <laughs> yes. Pastor Dom wins. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they're great. They're great. But, but when we're thinking about a series, we're thinking about how do we help you connect with what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Jesus at one point addresses this issue in such like a sharp way because Jesus is aware of people who are praying such selfish prayers, such immature prayers, prayers that, that's more about them and what they want and what people are going to think about them than a heart that's changed and formed to honor God. This is what Jesus says one day when he's teaching about some of these things. He says to his disciples, and it's probably something you've heard or read, and it's so profound, he says this, and when you pray to his followers, do not be like the hypocrites, by the way, who pray, for they love to pray standing in a synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Can you imagine getting to the place in your life where you can pray and never be changed? You can pray and act super spiritual, but your heart never gets softened to the ways of God, to the things that God loves. You can be a prayer warrior and be so far removed from the heart of God. That is one of the worst places in your life to be because you look so spiritual on the outside. And Jesus says, by the way, don't get tricked with people who just pray. And oftentimes when we talk about prayer, prayer is something we think about, about how often we pray. How many times a day do you pray? How long do you pray? I've heard all kinds of things. People say, oh, how come we don't have more prayer? More prayer for this, prayer Bible studies, prayer this. And, but today I want to talk about the kinds of things we pray about. Okay, that's important. Not just how much we pray, but how are our prayers? How do they reveal the deep things in our hearts? And so as we begin, I want you to think about what your prayers reveal about what's in your heart. What your prayers reveal about you the things that you pray about and what they say about the struggles that you're going through. Or maybe for some of you, you don't pray at all, and that in itself is its own type of revelation. 
But as we learn, we're going to kind of go through the series and we're going to kind of unpack certain things about kind of the mysterious way that prayer draws us into this incredible relationship with a holy, living, loving God. And we're going to do that together. And, and part of what I thought I'd do to maybe help is give you a definition. I, I rarely do this, but I thought it would help in week one. Give you a definition of how I think about what grown-up prayers should look like, okay? So if, you, if you're taking notes, you might want this, or if you only watch every few weeks, you want to come back to this week, week one, to kind of help you. And so you'll see it on a slide, and it's just kind of when I think about grown-up prayers, three important things. You can go to the next slide, okay? Grown-up prayers should be shaped by biblical truth, They're always honest about our broken humanity, and they're sensitive to our needs for one another. When we start to pray grown-up prayers, we're always aware of this. And when this doesn't happen, prayers become very selfish about me and God, whatever I need, all this stuff. And it misses the deep ways that our prayer needs to be rooted in the Bible, how prayers lead us to confess and to admit our own brokenness and the brokenness of people around us, and our deep need for other people. When I think about prayer, I think for many people, prayer is something they do by themselves. I just pray by myself. It's nobody's business, and you should. We, the Bible talks about praying and seeking God and asking God. It's good. But if you never grow to the place where you're also praying with others, you're also learning to hear the needs of others, so you're praying for others, you're not growing up in your prayer life. Okay, and so we're going to help you in this series to do this. And as this happens, what's most important is the second part, that all of this always leads us to surrender to God the Holy Spirit, who is the source of ongoing union with God the Father and God the Son. The second part makes this Christian prayers, okay? Because other people pray. Other religions claim that they pray, and you can, we can respect that, and that's great. But to pray as the Bible informs us to pray is to do these two parts. And so throughout the series, we're going to show you, I'm learning this, and I hope you really, you learned this. I'm going to show you how the Psalms actually move us to pray like this. The Psalms are this beautiful section of the Bible of prayers and celebration and all kinds of different things. And if you've read some of the Psalms, you know this. Every human emotion you can imagine is captured in the Psalms. If you're wrestling with betrayal, oh, we got a Psalm for you. If you're thinking about revenge, oh, a lot of good Psalms about that. If you're thinking about doubt and wondering why God is not answering your prayers, lots of Psalms on that. The Psalms also have sections that talk about the people of Israel as a nation. Those are trickier Psalms to read because we don't think of our Christian life as a nation. So we're going to kind of show you how to maybe read some of those Psalms in in a helpful way that helps you. But just to begin, I want to just show you the structure of the whole book of Psalms this morning, okay? Just as a starter, if you're taking a picture, you want to snapshot this, that the Psalms are always meant to be seen as five different books. It's not just like one book, although it is one book in our Bible. And, and scholars over the years have noticed kind of just the rhythm of some psalms. And so Psalms 1 to 41 is like book 1. And if you have a good Bible, actually, you'll see that in the heading of your Bible if you pay attention to it. Book 2 is those section of psalms. Book 3, those section of psalms 4 and 5. Okay? So when you're reading your psalms, you might want to read whatever. You might want to start at Psalm 90. You know, just remember, you're actually in book 4 of a whole section of sacred songs and prayers. And also when you're reading your psalms, I want to just help you kind of orient yourself. Sometimes the psalm at the top will tell you who the author is. You'll sometimes know who wrote the psalm. Many of the psalms are written by David. A great king, horrible father, mess of a leader, great psalms. A lot of good stuff. The guy's a disaster, right? Great king of Israel. 
I love that about David, right? You have the great king of Israel, and then you read his prayers, and you're like, the guy is a mess. It's always good, right? Because or else leadership looks like super flashy and always strong. And that's not true, because that's not what it means to be human. When you see David at his worst, when his kids want to kill him, when his, his, his son rapes his, his daughter, you're like, Who, what prayer is there for that? Psalms, they got you. Psalms going to get you. So we're going to invite you into this messy place, this mystery, and hopefully we're going to learn to pay attention whether we're praying psalms that are mature and out of a heart that's growing or just immature psalms. Psalms that are like, oh, I just prayed for nice weather today because we have a picnic. Like, okay, bro, relax. No, it's just kind of a strange way, like spontaneous, oh, I have a concern, I'm just going to pray, and never desire to be united to God and to serve others and to help. So we're just going to learn about this in a deeper way. So it's going to get messy. Years ago, I remember reading the story of a pastor who was talking about how he was helping a family in a difficult mess of a situation. And he talked about visiting this family, and one of the situations that this family was facing was that they had a young child that needed a heart transplant. And they prayed, and they were in the hospital, and they they talked to doctors, and they had the best care, and they just prayed. And one day the doctor came in and said, we've done everything we can do for your child. The only thing that's left is that they need a heart transplant. And so the doctor left the room and said, so as you pray, pray that someone else's baby dies. And I remember reading that and thinking, that is the truth of the mess of our lives. How do you pray after that? Now, I know some of you, Pentecostal, some of you, some Pentecostal people here, no? Flags all put away, okay. But pray for healing. We don't need another heart. We need healing. And that's good. We should do that. But in general, there's these moments that when you pray in a certain way, you realize that means a whole host of other things. I've been a pastor long enough to know that prayer is not just something I'm feeling without realizing, God, this is so complex that if you answer this prayer, it can mean so many other things for other people. I might be praying for the rain to stop. And if some of you are praying for rain, you need to stop right now. But there's a farmer somewhere praying that more rain comes. Right? So you see that prayers are not just gimmicky things that we feel and we hope we feel better and we tell other people, oh, I prayed. Grown-up prayers deal with the mess, the confusion, the complexity, the mystery of a God who loves us. It says, pray. Come. And a lot of those prayers shape us. A lot of those prayers change our hearts. A lot of times God answers our prayers and we see new things emerge. All of these beautiful things come together in the Psalms. So I want to just show you one of, one of the psalms. I'm going to just begin with this, and I'm going to read a psalm for you in just a minute. I'm going to try to do this throughout the series. I'm going to read a section of a psalm, okay? And I want you to think as I'm reading it. You'll see it on the screen. You'll hear it if you're listening online or on a podcast. As I'm reading it, I want you to think of the person's heart, what state they're in to write this psalm that I'm reading, okay? Ready to do that? It's not that hard. Some of you are like, what? It's not hard. So here's a psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, which is the the image for Jerusalem, where the people of God were strong. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants, your children, and dashes them against the rocks. Praise be to God. Can you imagine? This isn't the Bible. Would you ever write a prayer like this? Can you imagine like somebody wrote this prayer? God, 
when I think about the pain that we faced, I pray that those people who did that to us, somebody would take their kids and smash them against the rocks. You're like, do your Bible study with your kids. We're going to go over that psalm, kids. Let's just pray about Jonah. (laughs) Think about this. What's the heart and the state of a person who writes this kind of prayer? What is happening to someone's inner life that is wrestling with this type of revenge and anger? Years ago, I was reading the Psalms and I was doing my own kind of devotional time. I remember writing in some of my notes that I pray that whoever prayed this Psalm is not alone. Because a person who's feeling this kind of anger is by themselves a long time, bad things start to happen. So I want to kind of show you very, very quickly that some Psalms are like this. They're like, they're like these deep, painful, angry moments. And so here's an important practice. It's a practical question you can ask yourself when you're reading your Psalm. You can go to the next slide. It'll kind of help you, okay? Practical question one. As you read and pray, ask yourself, is this psalm highlighting? Does it highlight something I should do or something I should avoid doing? Okay, it's very simple. The psalms are not just things you read and be like, I'm going to do what they did. I'm just being biblical. That's what people say all the time. Oh, I just want to be biblical. What does that even mean? they're, They're words we use, but we don't think about what that means. When you read this psalm, you realize we are being warned not to get to the place where our anger and our vengeance leads us to want to do these kinds of things to people. Like, I've never been this mad in my life when I read that song. But some people have. Some of you have. Some of you know people who have. That vengeance and anger and revenge and getting back at somebody is all you could think about. And if you wrote a prayer, it would look something like that. So a good practice is as you're reading the Psalms, just say, okay, wow, this is a profound prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit for us to have how do I make sure that my heart doesn't get to this place where I'm this angry? How am I aware that maybe if I am dealing with something, I shouldn't be going through this alone? Because when we deal with these kinds of emotions and we pray and we bring them to God, if they are not dealt with with other people who keep us accountable, our discouragement and our depression usually leads to destruction. It leads us to do things we're going to regret And it leads us to places where we think we're justified in hurting other people because they hurt us. Well, the Psalms are like, listen, read this this prayer of someone who was at that place. Read this. So maybe that'll help you as you begin. So throughout the series, we're going to help you. There's 150 Psalms. We're not going to get through all of them. But we'll give you some practical ways that as you're reading the Psalms, you might ask yourself a question to be like, okay, how, how do I situate myself with this kind of Psalm? What do I do next? So practical question, easy. Is this something I should be stepping into or is it a warning of like I should never get to this place in my life? Okay, maybe for some of you, you're at that place now. Maybe for some of you, you've been carrying something and you feel alone and you feel that if somebody knew you'd be judged. Can I just share with you that there's safe places in our church and safe leaders that you can talk with? Some of you have, and I'm proud of you, either struggling with anxiety or depression and not sure how to bring that up and wondering about counseling and help and all kinds of things. It's okay. The Psalms address all kinds of things like this. The Bible doesn't hide from any of that humanness and that pain and our need for God to heal and restore and find us in those moments. So if that's you, we're here. We don't want you to feel any burden to carry things that are not meant for any one of us to carry alone. The Psalms help us with that. But just as we kind of turn our attention to kind of communion in a minute, I just want to go back to Psalm number one. Because Psalm number one is a good starting point because it talks about something everybody loves. 
It talks about blessing. I've never met anyone who doesn't want to be blessed. Never. And the first psalm actually introduces all of the books with this image of what a life that is blessed in the ways of God looks like. So I just want to begin, and I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give you another kind of practical example to think about. This is what it says. Blessed or joyful, some translations say. Blessed is the person who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That's, that's a beautiful intro to the whole book of the Psalms. That a blessed life is a life that's so aware of the different things around us, the different people, the different conversations that can lead us away from the joy and the love and the hope that God has for us. I think of times in my life where this has happened to me. Where I, I read the Bible, I want to be excited about the Lord, I even sing the songs, I even put my hands up. It's, it's wild in worship. But then I hear enough people, scroll enough, read enough, and all of a sudden I'm stuck in this mess of noise, the mockery of the world, the noise of comments on the internet. Just feel that. And I read this psalm, I'm like, God, what does it mean to be a person who's attentive to that? And the psalm begins by saying, the blessed life looks very different than the way the world looks. I don't know, if you think about what comes to mind when you hear the word blessed, for most people, it's just like having enough money, being happy, and one important characteristic of a blessed life for a person who lives today is that nobody should tell me what to do. That's a blessed life, by the way. That's one value of the universe. Everybody believes that nobody has the right to tell you what to do. Okay? The only problem is when you're a Christian, you start to believe that Jesus has the right to tell you what to do. And a blessed life is a life that says, God, of course I would want you to tell me how to live and what to do. Because I was wired for you to form me in this way. And if we're not careful, the psalmist says, that you can start to think that you're praying, but your heart never gets formed in the blessed life. And Jesus, like we just saw a few minutes ago, addresses this. That there were people who prayed in front of everybody. It was so great. It was a spectacle. Spectacle of spirituality. Look, look how amazing we are. Jesus is like, don't, not, not this, not this, not for you. Jesus, this summer, wants to bless you. God wants to bless your family and your kids. He wants to bless us by forming our prayer life so that we become more aware of things that we've maybe missed. Do you want God's blessing for your life? Do you want this? Now, I told you I'm going to give you some practical questions. Practical question number two is very important, okay? Take a look at the psalm. I'm going to read this, and we're going to go back to that section. Is this psalm warning about something that applied to others and to me? Okay, this is so important. Everybody get this? Does this psalm talk about things that apply to other people in the Bible times, but could also apply to me today? Okay? Everyone get that? Simple? Let's go back to the slide. I'll just show you. I remember reading this psalm, and when I got to the sinner's part, I thought of all the people in my life I didn't like. Anyone ever do this? You read a psalm, and you're always the blessed person, and the bad people are always the people you don't like. So I thought about mockers. I thought about sinners. I'm like, I know somebody in my family who fits that really well. It's so dangerous to read the Psalms and to forget that when you see the word sinner, it also points to you and to me. That we are prone to be those people as well. We are prone to be those who mock, who sin, who act in that way. And if we're not praying, our lives are never formed in such a way where we repent of that and are aware of that. So be very careful, and we're going to talk about this in the series, when you see the word enemy, 
when you see the, the words of, of someone that's attacking, to be like, oh, that's someone. God hates them the way I hate them. Remember that God is love. Just remember that. So as you're reading the Psalms again, you hear them and you're like, wow, that you could get to this place where the noise around us moves us away from wanting the blessed life that God has in store for us. And this is what's a beautiful picture. I love this about the psalm because it gives us an image of what a blessed person looks like. So before I read it, I want you to think about that. Okay, think of a blessed person in your life. Who comes to mind? Just, just think about it, just you and God. In your heart of hearts? Okay, whatever. Uh, blessed person, you got them in your mind? This is what the, the psalmist says about a blessed life. This blessed person, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. What a beautiful image of blessing. What a great correction to the way we often are taught about blessing. The person that you thought about in your mind, are they this kind of person? Are they the kind of person that when you see their life and you hear them talk and you hear them pray and you see them in different relationships that are rooted in such a deep way that it looks like a tree, like this firm planted tree. Trees planted like this laugh at storms. Trees planted like this do what, the psalmist says? They bear what? They bear fruit. When? Every season. Every season. I want to be this kind of person. If you were to be this kind of person, who in your family would be blessed by that? Who? Who would be blessed by being around you if you were a person whose life bared this kind of fruit? Who? You know, if you don't learn to pray like this, we just equate blessing with leaving our kids some extra money when we die. We have an extra house for them. That's the way the world defines blessing. Retirement, wealth management, all kinds of dumb words they invent, whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. All of those things are in the Bible, and they talk about being wise and passing on good things to our kids. It's fine. But if we don't forget that there's a kind of blessing that is rooted into being the kinds of people that leave our kids so much more than just money, leave our kids so much more than just some nice stuff, we lead them a life that's filled with this overflowing fruit, this way of being that anchors them in a world that is going to feel like a storm for them. Because we prayed these kinds of prayers. Because we became aware of the things around us that would draw us to sin, to mock, to think that God's ways are secondary, that we just go to God when we're struggling. All of these things. The psalmist says, do you want to be this kind of person? This is one of the hardest things to learn in life. Because we live in a world that is so transient that, you know what, if you're rooted somewhere too long, you know the world tells you, you're not experiencing enough of things. You need to get out there. You need to go. The, we, we use this language so often, and if you've been part of the 180, you've heard this kind of language before. We often will use language to say, all things that grow fruit are always rooted somewhere. And so we've invited many of you to see your life rooted in a church community at this time, in this moment. And so if you're not there yet, the summertime is a great time to reflect about that especially if you're not a ministry partner. If you haven't taken that step to really say, I want to be rooted in a community. Like, I really want to grow and learn, and I want other people to help me 
to make sure that my life is bearing fruit so that others can be blessed because of me. If you want that, we're here to help. And if you don't want that yet, we pray that you learn to pray like the psalmist invites us to pray. To want this kind of life. Because if you don't, the world will have so many great definitions for how to look at a blessed life. But they won't be the blessed life rooted in the ways of God and in grown-up prayers. And the psalmist ends this section by saying, if you don't want to be rooted, here's an image for someone who's not rooted. Okay? And it's not like a tree, but it's like this. It's like chaff. Okay? But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff. It's a grain that just flies whenever the wind blows. It just flies everywhere. Scattered by the wind. Sinners who have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. This is crazy. What a prayer and a warning that just holds this together. Am I a person that really is learning to be rooted somewhere? Or I'm a person that just, with everything that happens, I'm just disoriented and anxious and sh- every moment. How are you doing with that? Over the past few months, how have you been as it relates to your relationships, your relationships with your coworkers, your relationship with your kids, family members? Are you seeing a pattern of being someone more like chaff, kind of just... Everything is just anxiety-related. Not that it's not deep moments of anxiety, but you know what I mean. Unrooted in a prayer life that has a peace that God is putting you deep down, roots that are deep down. This psalm number one just gives us these simple patterns. So if you're learning to pray with the psalms, you might want to do this. You want to pick a psalm this week and just read it slowly. Don't pick Psalm 119, okay? It's like 700 verses. Okay? But, but just pick a short one. <laughs> And just pick it and be like, just read it and just say, okay, these sections, ask yourself a question. Just say, okay, God, I'm just going to read this psalm. And you know what? Read it every day for the whole week. You know what will happen by the end of the week? You'll almost know that psalm by heart. You'll kind of start to feel like that psalm is shaping how you speak and how you think and how you encourage someone else. Because the greatest thing you can do is as you learn to pray is to tell someone else, God is changing you so you can encourage them to read that psalm. And think about some of these moments. Because when we pray grown-up prayers, and when the Psalms inform our prayers like this, they kind of, we find these, these words meet us in the most painful times in our lives. The most broken times in our lives. Where we don't even know what to pray, the Psalms have words for us that help us to pray. That's why we hope you learn in this series. That you're drawn to want to do this in this series. I'm going to invite the team to come on up, and I'm going to invite them to do Amazing Grace Actually, the song Amazing Grace that we've sung was written by somebody whose life was falling apart. One of the hardest things that you will read about in the Psalms are people who have incredible doubts about whether God is listening to them. I've never met a Christian. I've never met a person who hasn't said to me, you know what, I don't believe in God. I prayed and he didn't answer my prayers. And I said, you know what, people in the Bible prayed those prayers all the time. Maybe you know somebody in your life who doesn't want to really be a Christian because it prayer and doesn't, doesn't seem like God's there. And if God was there, he'd fix all the problems in the world. That's not how God works, but I know why we believe that sometimes. But as we prepare our hearts to take communion, I want to tell you one secret that Jesus had is that as he prepared for the darkest week of his life, he prayed the Psalms. That throughout Jesus' ministry, there are times, these unique times where Jesus will reference 
one of the Psalms. Let me read one for you and see if it rings a bell. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Psalm 22, 1 and 2. This was Jesus' go-to prayer on the cross. You see what happens when you start to pray the Psalms and you start to grow up in your prayer? That in the most painful, dark, scary, confusing moments, your heart will just naturally connect to say, there, there's, something, there's something I can cry out to God now. There's something I can say that I don't have the right words, but this is how I'm feeling. And I hope that God hears me and that I'll see the situation from a different perspective. Many of you know this, that Jesus prayed this prayer. He was with his disciples as his other disciples betrayed him. One of his disciples sat around, was taught how to pray by Jesus, but when mockers came and sinners came, he was so enticed by money that he quickly went with them and betrayed Jesus. There's a psalm for that. And so this morning, as we come to communion, I'm going to ask you to maybe take a minute and think about certain areas in your life that need a special prayer for those areas. A special prayer for where you're at in your heart, for where God's calling you to you next. Maybe it's just the summertime, just the next few weeks of learning to grow up in how you pray, in how you read your Bible, in how you understand what God is calling you into. Because I promise you, that if your life becomes more rooted in the prayers and the ways of God, others will be blessed because of that. They will. Psalm number one. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, think of Jesus, we thank you for the prayers that he prayed. We thank you for the Psalms that are a gift to us to step into the most mysterious, broken, painful parts of being human. But we also thank you for the joyful celebration that awaits a life rooted in prayers that grow us from the inside out. I pray for those here who are maybe new at praying or unfamiliar with even the Psalms, that your spirit would be at work as they just begin to read some of these Psalms. And as we sing this song and turn our attention to the table, Holy Spirit, would you help us to confess things in our lives that we've maybe left unattended? Things in our life that lead us to anger, lead us to revenge, lead us to gossip, The Psalms warn us about not leaving those things unattended. So we ask you to help us and that you would give us the words to confess those things to you. And that because of the cross, forgiveness is available. So be with us now as we prepare to take communion together. In Jesus' name we pray.
invite you at different parts of the room to just come down the aisles and uh, Pastor Michael and I will be here at the front waiting and we're gonna we're gonna give you just the bread there's a gluten-free option if you need that and then you can grab one of the cups either the wine or the juice however you feel comfortable and you know this that we often ask you to take it back and sit with it at your seat so if you're watching online you can do that as well and just prayerfully ask God to stir deep new prayers One of the things we often say, and so I'm going to remind you again, that there's two things Christians never do for themselves. They never baptize themselves, and they never just serve themselves communion. So when you come up, we actually love the fact that we give you the communion elements to remind you that we're doing this as a family. The earlier Christians would have called themselves brothers and sisters so that they would never forget that. So as you come up, I'm going to also encourage you to just maybe think about an area in your life that God is calling you to just grow in over the summer. And as you quietly pray, just surrender that to him. Before Pastor Michael comes up and reads the passages of scripture, so we take communion together. Now, if you're here, you're visiting, you're not sure, you haven't been baptized, and you're just not ready for this, we understand. There's no pressure or shame to have to come up. This is actually a sacred meal that those who said yes to Jesus began to live into together. So there's no pressure to have to do this. But if you do take communion, we want to encourage you that the next time we have baptism, we'd love to see you be baptized. 
as a sign of a deeper commitment to the ways of Jesus. So let's just pray before we come up together. Father, you've already been at work even as we got ready this morning to make our way here, you were at work beginning to stir in us your goodness and your love, your correction and your mercy. And I pray for anyone who's in this room or anyone watching that this sacred moment would be filled with the grace that Jesus showed on that first last supper he took with his disciples gracious enough to give the bread and the cup to the person who would betray him that you are still that gracious God to us so as we come would you just speak to us and do something special this morning we pray this in your name Jesus amen just come as you feel led
shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. My chains, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, is ransom me. And like a flood, it's my secret. Unending to the table together, we're reminded not only that Jesus is the one who entered our story, who entered our world and the messiness of that, the pain, the sadness, the anger, all those things that he entered it and that he even prayed as Pastor Tom said, the Psalms was shaped by them, but that as he did that, he, he went to the cross so that wouldn't be the end of the story, that it's not the end of the story and it's not the end of our story. As we think about it, what it means to just get honest 
about those things maybe getting in the way of us recognizing God's goodness, the things that still need to be healed or where we feel confusion or pain, that because of Jesus, it's not the end of our story. And as we come together, we recommit and commit to being those who are shaped by his story, those who are shaped by a different kind of blessed life that only he can define for us as we commit to, to being rooted in him. And so as we take uh, communion together, as we read these words, we remember that and we're committed to that. As we read what was passed on to, him, uh, to us, that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take it together. wrestle with, our past, the things that even keep us from you, and that you enter that as a loving God so that we wouldn't stay there. God, as we think of uh, this summer, this season, the weeks to come, help us to be those who are shaped by the Psalms and who read them, Jesus, in light of what you have done for us that that pain that we experience, that brokenness of our humanity is not the end of the story. And so help us just again to commit, to recommit to following you, Jesus, and to being shaped by the kind of blessings that only you have for us. Help us to do that as well together as your people, as your community as well, that we would know that we're not alone, but that as we grow deeper in relationship with you, that you would draw us deeper in relationship with one another, and God, you would continue to shape us in a way as we think of those in our lives, our kids or family members or neighbors, that we would be those who would be shaped in such a way and rooted in you in such a way that we would show those blessings to others, that we would draw other people in to know your love and the blessings that you have. And so thank you for this time to be shaped by you and worship together. And would you bless us as we go from here? We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. You can have a seat. Just before you go, uh, if 
We have a great prayer team in our prayer space. If you want to just take some time to pray for some of the things that we, we talked about, you can do that. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next week. Have a great week.